0: Welcome to season three of the M-W Tactical Podcast. Sit back and enjoy the conversations of the math scientist and myself as we discuss the sport of shooting, goals, training, and everyday life. You are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. All right, good people. I want to thank everybody for coming back to another installation of the M-W Tactical Podcast. And just like always, we want to go ahead and welcome everyone who's listening to us, both in the United States and abroad. We really do appreciate it. This week's show is sponsored by Red Dirt Shooting, who is also a contributor for the South Carolina sectional, taking place April 30th through May 2nd. Registration is open for that competition coming up in April. So before I forget, the mad scientist will tell me to tell everybody, make sure you come out there and personally shake his hand. Also, we got two GoFundMe campaigns going on. And the past two weeks, you probably heard the um, us talking about the campaigns. So right now, we already had three people who donated funds for us making the professional movie so we do want to give a thank you to mindy joe ringle she also does the podcast called Jay frenzy and friends so i was on that podcast a couple of weeks ago and um i posted it on instagram and facebook so check it out and it's a podcast talking about leadership another contributor was cynthia weaver and then we have somebody who was anonymous So I do wanna thank those three people for donating to this project. And once we actually get started on it, it will be something that I think will be a great project in the making. So without further ado, I wanna go ahead and bring in the man with the plan. This past week, the man with the plan has been overworked. So I think he needs a vacation. At the same time he needs a vacation, we might have to take his guns clean them and fix them, but I don't think he might not let that happen, but we will see. But welcoming again, the co-hostess with the mostest, my man with the plan, Dave. What's going on, Dave? Hey, Mike. I'm not going to let you touch my guns. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I kind of knew that was going to happen, but... so um, how has your week been since the last time we was on the show uh been busy had a lot a lot of stuff going on a lot of stuff during the week
1: at work and everything else and a lot of stuff to take care of this weekend but yeah i think it's going to calm down a little bit planning on uh getting in some shooting soon and i might actually take a weekend vacation here shortly nice well like i said
0: yeah after talking with you the past couple of days, I was like, you probably need it. <laughs> so it seemed like you was at that point where it's time for much-needed break. Yeah. Hopefully, um, my wife and I can get out of town for
1: just a couple of days next weekend, maybe.
0: Yeah, that'll be a good thing. Um, this weekend, I ain't do nothing. I just sat around the house and um, literally did nothing. You know, um, bug Coach B, started joking with her. We actually even start playing pinball again. Um, first it was Emma beat me in pinball. Now Coach B beat me in pinball. <laughs> I'm about to give up pinball. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on.
1: But, can, um, can you dry fire pinball? Maybe we need to start.
0: Yeah, I might have to. <laughs> I might have to. <laughs>
1: I don't know how that would work, but
0: yeah. yeah. But coming in for another week with no complaints. I think she's actually starting to look forward to it. But the deal still stands, whereas if she's on the microphone, the camera cannot be on her. Maybe you can email and ask Coach B to get on camera, but everybody flood the emails and ask that question to her. So without further ado, the other co-host to the M-W Tactical Podcast, Coach B. How's it going for you? B? Hi,
2: Michael. Hi, Dave.
0: Hi.
2: How
0: are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. How how was your week since the last time we was on the podcast?
2: My week's been good. Staying busy with work and then M-W Tactical.
0: So how's that keeping you busy?
2: Just answering emails, phone calls, trying to get classes scheduled. Well,
0: I mean, you know how that goes sometimes, you know. I think half the time people call just to talk to you anyway, just to see if you're a real person, <laughs>
2: yeah, to see if you're
0: really working with um, M-W Tactical.
2: Sometimes I wonder if that's really what it's happening.
0: Yeah, yeah. I kind of sit back and I see it. I laugh. So, you know how it goes sometimes. Right. Yeah. So, I wanted to go ahead and um, tackle a few topics when we hit the main. Um, the next segment after the commercial break, the main um, talking points. And we also did an interview this week with Joel Turner from the Marksmanship Unit. And it was a pretty interesting conversation we had. And he is one who is head first for 3Gun. And I actually stated like my opinion with 3Gun, but I only done it two times. So I'm not real familiar or real keen with it but stay around and um, check out that conversation with Joe Turner from the Marksmanship unit. And after the commercial break, we got a new segment with the M-W tactical podcast. So if you was listening to the podcast a few weeks ago, you would have heard a conversation when we was making the phone calls with somebody, somebody who I was stationed with over in Germany, who we went to Afghanistan with Sergeant Gomez, and he's going to have a segment. On the podcast called Five Minutes with Sergeant Gomez, where he asks us questions, and you know, it's pretty much questions for beginner shooters. I'm taking it. Um, I didn't go into detail with him, I just told him however he wanted to run it, but he kind of gave me a a little breakdown of it. So I'm pretty curious to see how that's going to turn out here. Yeah, it sounds, sounds interesting. Yeah, so, um, but outside of that. I can actually say, I actually done something I was proud of and i dedicated literally like four days back to back on it. So I'm pretty sure you saw your your emails flooded with matchbook one, matchbook two, all the way up to seven <laughs> and all the updates.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I still haven't made it all the way through it, man. I'm going oh, to this, God. I'm going to this week.
0: Oh man, take your time. Take your time. I'm still waiting on a few more things to add to it. Um, from two companies and after that it should be complete so but I was actually proud of it I was like sending it to everybody not everybody but people who don't shoot like hey look over this tell me what you think is that hot is that cool what you-
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that'd be interesting mm-hmm. outsider's perspective
0: yeah so um but you know like people who look at it they're probably just looking at it from the um grammatical errors and positioning and you know saying like just small conversation yeah, yeah. with it. So and I didn't want to send it to all the shooters that we regularly know to I just think it's bad juju to do that. They get the book before it's actually published, and then next thing you know, it's already spread across the internet. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, that can happen. You know, and it probably will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you know how that goes with it. But um Coach B was actually um helping on that also. She gave some um some good insight on it and perspective and her thoughts and i was like okay cool i'm gonna go with that <laughs> what was your take on that
2: i think it turned out very well
0: yeah i think so too um but at the same time um have you by you not actually doing anything like this because this is my first time doing something on this level of shooting but i can almost relate it to something in relation to the military. But what is your overall take when you actually see and hear things from behind the scenes of working for the um or with the South Carolina section that's coming up?
2: I have an appreciation for what everyone does within the shooting sport because the besi- behind the scenes it's it's tough. It's very tough. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, I mean, like from the stage designs to planning the matchbook, planning the event, it's a lot of work and it's very time consuming as far as everything that goes into making this one event happen. And I know I've been at matches and I've heard people complain, you know, here and there about certain things but i think until you actually do it you don't know the work and the dedication that people put into it on top of their normal i guess jobs and life that they have to do you know so it's a lot of work it definitely is a lot of work
0: oh yeah yeah so like i said um even like the other day when me and lucky was talking I was telling Lucky, like, I did not know the inkling of how much USPSA have their hands in major matches. So when listening to Dave talk about the back and forth and, oh, I'm going to email them back. Oh, I got this email back about this stage. And I was like, wow, I didn't know they really go through it like that with a fine tooth comb. I thought it was just something you submit and they just put it on file and like, okay, just make sure you know you don't have to shoot throughs and all this and that but it is a well thought out process whereas when people say it's a safe environment to shoot it is backed up double checked, triple checked again (laughs) you know so yeah
1: it it really is i mean we play with guns so you know they're they are still dangerous (laughs) but our sport man just um as a whole man we rarely ever i've only heard of one incident happening where someone was injured right um where a gun it was i don't even know if it was in the united states it may have been in canada a few years ago um someone dropped a gun and tried to catch it before it hit the ground and ended up Mm -hmm. getting a finger on the trigger yeah um and that's you know that is just a freak accident we take so much um you know, put so much effort into the, the safety aspects of it. So that is almost unheard of, for someone yeah. getting hurt.
0: <laughs> yeah, and um, even, like, when I talk to people who want to come out and shoot, and even if they say, like, I'm scared, you know, of course, you know, everybody who, who is new to it, they're most scared of the performance value because of what everybody else is going to, what they think everybody's going to say about their performance but i think a lot of that is the fear of okay all these people got firearms on them what if somebody drops it or what if what if what if but if they were to actually come out they can actually see how one person uh come up with something and then there's like six or seven other people who are trying to combat it playing devil's advocate just to make sure it's safe so that's one thing i'm I'm very appreciative about with the sport
1: yeah. Um, USPSA keeps it, you know, to where you, you can kind of know what to expect or you can know what to expect um, safety wise, um, you know, range command wise, that sort of thing. Um, every match you go to around the country. All right.
0: So, so let's go ahead and um, take a quick commercial break and then bring in Sergeant Gomez and let's do that five minutes with Sergeant Gomez and then we can go ahead and do the talking points before or after that but we could talk about that on a commercial break but everybody please stay in your seats and here are a few words from our sponsors
3: hey this is brian conley at hunter's hd gold if you've never tried hunter's hd gold then i challenge you to find me at a match next year go to the website under scheduled events find out where i'm gonna be come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself Find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the the colors that we use and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com. And I look forward to seeing you at
0: the range soon. JM4 Tactical has developed a state of the art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high-quality Hermit oak leather securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic holster is available in four different models fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your relic today at jm4tactical.com. What's up, good people? This is Michael Woodland from M-W Tactical.
2: This is Coach B from M-W Tactical.
0: And we are asking for your help with two GoFundMe campaigns that we have started. The first one is, we are making a professional movie. And it's going to be about our day-to-day life within the sport of shooting. Details about this campaign can be found by visiting gofundme.com forward slash we are making a professional movie. The second campaign, we are asking for you to donate to give financial assistance for those who cannot financially get the training they deserve. Remember, there are a lot of first-time gun owners out there, and I am asking for everyone in the gun industry to come together and make our community stronger. For more details, visit GoFundMe.com forward slash free firearms training.
2: Remember how important training is to keep everyone informed and safe.
0: all right good people we're back at it again and thank you for sitting through that commercial break but at the same time i would like for everybody to go ahead and just pay those sponsors a visit and actually tell them you heard about them heard about them on the m-w tactical podcast and you never know what you might receive in the mail after that (laughs) So, especially with Brian. So, you know how Brian is. You say hi to Brian, you might end up with a set of glasses for a season. (laughs) Yeah, so um, I think what we're going to go ahead and do is we're going to go ahead and jump into the segment called Five Minutes with Sergeant Gomez. So, what do you think about that, Coach B? I
2: think that sounds good
0: oh my goodness uh, she sounds so enthusiastic about this <laughs> <Do it. laughs> you want to go to jump into it Yep. all right Let's so here it. we go um but this little intro i think is the hottest right now so yeah i want to hear it all right so here, here <laughs> we go with the intro so when everybody please chime in and tell me what you think about the intro for five minutes with sergeant Gomez. so here we go
4: it's time to answer some questions from a dedicated citizen Soldier in your United States Army. Someone who was deployed and served with the host, Michael. Wooden. A soldier who is seeking more knowledge to pass on to those who serve under him. He will ask the questions. And this is five minutes with Staff Sergeant Gomez. Hey, uh, how's it going?
0: M-W Tech School. Going great, going great. What's
1: going on, Sergeant Gomez? How are you?
5: Oh, it's just uh, excited for that new intro that finally came out. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think uh, you, you changed it up from what you sent me the other day, right?
0: No, no, it's the same thing. Um, I think the only thing I did was just take um, the music and push it out so the wording in the middle was a little bit more expanded.
5: Yeah. Yeah, so all right, I got five minutes. So uh, first question, I've been kind of thinking about this. Um, so for the new shooter, for somebody who's interested in going into the, the competition, um, if you had to go somewhere and you, know, you had to get three pieces of equipment, which would it be? The gun does not count because that is, I mean, that's obvious. But the as far as three other pieces of kit or equipment to benefits you on the line.
2: All
0: right. I'll let Coach B go with that first.
2: I would say you would have to have a belt, magazine pouches, and um, I guess maybe a range bag.
0: Okay. All right, Dave, you want to go? Yeah, it's, uh, it's
1: belt, mag pouches and outside the waistband uh, holster. Um, I mean, those are a requirement of any division that you shoot. Um, depending on the division, you may need more mag pouches than some others. But I mean, bare minimum, regardless of what they are, they just need to be safe. Um, hold, you know, the holster has to be secure. You need to be able to draw and reholster one-handed. Um, the gun you know, doesn't need to be so loose that it can fall out of your holster while you're moving you're walking around. Um that's all you need, man. That's all you need to compete, other than some, you know, eye protection, ear protection.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. Um the holster and your mag pouches depend on what you prefer. And I always tell people and I'm not brand specific when this happens, but the first thing that always comes to my mind is I always tell people, always go with Bravo concealment because it is a, um, a quality product. And even when I first started doing competition shooting, that was the first product that I actually had as far as um, gun holster and magazine pouches.
5: Okay, so Bravo, Concealment, yeah, I'm, pretty, I'm familiar with them. but They've been around for a little while and very reputable. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so next question, uh, we'll stick to the competition side of it, the, the shot timer. So usually they run anywhere between maybe $60 to $100, a little bit more sometimes, depending on what you're going for. Is there an app you recommend um, that you can download that you think is pretty effective as far as uh, getting the cues or those beeps in a timely manner?
0: The only thing I would say about an app is there's going to be that delay unlike an actual timer. Okay. um, but you can actually still get the training quality out of a timer from an app. But just remember that app timer is not gonna be as much quality as an actual timer. At the closest one that I've seen that's remotely close enough um, to an actual shot timer is the double alpha one they have, whereas it actually does it with the video and everything.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, you might could use some apps for uh dry fire. Um, I have not found one that works well with live fire. Actually, you know, if you want to review, uh, you know, transition time or something during live fire, they don't seem to do a great job of picking up the actual shot. Um, but, you know, if you just want something for a timer for practice for dry fire purposes, I mean, I'm sure those apps would work, but you really can't beat a timer for uh, an actual, you know, pocket pro or, or something like that. Um, range commander, is that what they are? The new ones, range commander? Yeah, AMG. Range
0: commander. Yeah,
1: AM, oh, AMG, AMG commander. AMG commander, okay, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's, I, you really need a good, decent timer if you're gonna yeah. do some live, live fire with it.
5: Okay, and then, uh, so the timer's important, but I think overall, safety right so on the range safety is a a constant um any first aid kits you'd recommend anything that you see that's out of the market that you say okay that is what you would need to to pack a wound get to the nearest hospital and you should be okay based on the the size of the ifac
0: i I would actually say um you can actually get like a kit made for um, gunshot wounds, or you can actually build it yourself, you know, and that's nothing more than a lot of gauze. Um, maybe the burn compound, like the wound, um, like the self-healing, not self-healing, but you know what I'm saying? It kind of closes it off so it wouldn't um, bleed out or anything. Um,
5: yeah, like a quick clot? Yeah,
0: the quick clot. That's what I was thinking of. But yeah. Um, I would actually say just make sure you have a good quality tourniquet, or if you don't have a tourniquet, the, um, the rat um, band, but just make sure you know how to use it properly, you know, in the event that something like that, a tragic does happen on the range. But um, the best thing to do is if you have a big event, a lot of emergency services will come out there and sit for free just for the event of something did happen. And that's nothing more than linking up. With um that resource, like the fire department or the paramedic ambulance company or something like that
5: okay, so there's definitely uh, there is a method to the the EMT part of it because when I thought about it, I was thinking it was just, hey, you're on the range, you know your guys your left your right, and everyone's wearing a first aid kit. everyone has a tourniquet. Mm-hmm. We should be okay, but we all know accidents happen and it's good to know that you guys do have uh, EMT on the ground for someone like certified specifically for that purpose. Yeah,
0: it's, it's just like it was when when, we, um, when I was in the military, whenever we go to the range, a get with the medics and see who was available to go with us, you know what I'm saying? So it's just a checks and balance system, that's in All
5: righty, mm-hmm. I think I'm up on these five minutes all right that was it right
0: there like i said um i thought you was gonna hit me off balance a little bit more than that
5: (laughs) Uh, in there i'm I'm trying to find a rabbit hole and we'll we'll work our way in but i have that time in that five minute time hack that i'm just like all right we're not trying to go over it but I, i think we did i think we busted time by a little
0: yeah yeah so we good on that one so um i do want to thank you um for coming on to the podcast sergeant gomez and um Whenever you're ready to do this again, let me know. This won't be every week unless he wants it to be every week, but every now and then we're going to bring him on and uh, let him ask us the questions and try to throw us off balance. Yes, sir.
2: Thank you for joining us.
5: I'll wrap them up.
2: (laughs) Thank you. All right. All right. right.
0: Take Take care. All right. So I, I thought that was a little fun right there. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to go ahead and um, jump into some questions. And the one thing I wanted to talk about, and I wanted to hit Coach B up on this like two days ago, but I was like, no, I'm going to save this for the podcast because we were talking about training and working out and what's going to come up as far as um, what we're going to do with shooting. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask her, what is your take on the 1911 platform and the 2011 platform? And is the 1911 platform something you would consider for concealed carry or not?
2: Mm, As far as concealed carry, mm, probably no. Mm -hmm. Um, One, it does have the safety on it and I don't want to have a safety. That's one other thing I've got to think about Um, in a stressful situation if I was to have to, you know, pull out my firearm. So I don't want to have a firearm that has the safety on it. I actually, I'd rather have the Walther PPQ. That would be my my pick. Um, So, um, but as far as using it, the 2011 platform mm-hmm. in competition, you know, um, I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, That's what I use, so, but no, not as far as in concealed carry, no.
0: Wow, I, I would have thought you would have been like, yeah, I think I can do the, tw- the 1911 for concealed carry because it's the same platform that you shoot competition with, and then just having that notion of throwing that safety down and getting busy with it. I wouldn't think it would be that much of a difference.
2: Well, it may not be, um, but I just—I guess I'm just used to using the um, the firearm that I carry now that doesn't have the the safety on it. Um, I, I and I may be okay either way. I don't know, but right. I'm good where I'm at.
0: Oh, you just—you just saying like right now, but what you're carrying doesn't have a safety. That's what you feel more comfortable with. Correct. No, I'm with you Correct. on that. I'm with you on that. What about you, Dave? Um, What's your take on the 1911 compared to the 2011 and the 1911
1: for concealed carry? I w- probably would not carry a 1911 just because of the low magazine capacity. Mm-hmm. I like to have more rounds on hand, right? There is a 2011 that I was, I was actually trying to buy. I got a, uh, uh, discount or a uh, certificate for uh, like $400 off of this gun but bull armory is making it's a SAS2 ultra light viper and it's actually like a little miniature open gun oh, wow. so I, I thought i mean it's got a, like a one port comp on it a red dot and it's a 2011 with a with the double um stack magazine and i thought it would be perfect because i'm so accustomed to the 2011 i mean i use that that gun is in my hand every day. Why not have one to carry? You know, so I don't even have to think about it. It's just the same ergonomics, same, same everything. Um yeah. but it didn't end up the certificate I got wasn't didn't include that particular model of firearm. So um
0: <laughs> Oh, the certificate you got at National's. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I saw it and I was like, heck yeah. But uh oh, it yeah. that didn't so, work out as planned. But
0: yeah. So the only reason I, I bought that question up is Last year, there was a lot of contracts that came down with the Border Patrol and I want to say the Texas Rangers maybe. And STI is on board with those contracts in that area and they're providing those officers with the 1911 platform. And I'm on the fence when it comes to that for law enforcement, And the only reason I say that is because I'm a firm believer in having more rounds for the what if situation that could happen. The other thing is, is how often are these officers training with these firearms? And will it be enough rounds to get them through that motion? Because that magazine might have eight rounds. So let's just happen to say.
1: Yeah, enough 45. That's
0: all, that's all I get. Yeah, so an experienced shooter, take it, put one in the chamber. So now you only got one in the chamber, seven in the magazine, you know what I'm saying, versus Barney and Up, you know, to put that eight in the magazine. So you have nine in total. But will that be enough to help them in that situation of whatever their job capacity is if they have to pull that firearm out?
1: I don't know. You would hope so, but I, but I know guys that carry 50 rounds on them because they've been in situations where
0: nine wasn't enough.
1: Oh yeah. So Uh,
4: so,
0: even for uh, me, man, like um, being in the military, of course it's all different because we have a certain load we have to carry and infantry soldier going outside the wire. Basic combat load is, you know, seven magazines, 210 rounds. But we always had that backpack with extra <laughs> magazines yeah. loaded up in the event we did get pinned down and we had to resupply ourselves and everything like that, or you know, extra rounds in the vehicle, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the case may be. But an AR 15 and a 1911 are two different platforms,
1: yeah, very, very yeah, different. Yeah,
0: so two different styles of um defensive posture. You know, but even like when I conceal carry, depending on where I'm at or where I'm going, I might have up to three magazines with me. And on a regular day, I know I have at least two.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have a, a mag pouch is connected to my holster. So anytime that right. that gun goes with me, that extra magazine's going with me. I have, um, how many do I have? Here's 1628 rounds. Something like I think I got 28 rounds on me at least mm-hmm. <laughs> at all, all times <laughs>
0: yeah, <that's it>. yeah.
1: <laughs> but one of the things even you know I do like a higher uh, mag capacity but if I was co- you know if you're completely comfortable carrying a 1911 and only having eight rounds that's fine if, if, if you're comfortable with it but I still like an extra magazine in case there's some sort of malfunction right uh, where you have to drop that mag to uh, whatever, clear the malfunction. Um, if that's your only mag, then your gun's empty.
0: Yes, pretty <laughs> so much, yes. It's pretty
1: much, It's, you know, you might not necessarily run a mag empty, but it, it's nice to have that, you know, as a backup plan. If something, you know, something does happen with that one magazine, yeah, you got I'm another sure. one there.
0: Um, yeah, like I said, that was, that was the only reason I wanted to ask that question. And, you know, normally, like, when I'm reading something or I'm thinking of something... I like to get the female perspective of it. And like I said, the only person I really call about anything related to shooting is Coach B because she does the shooting and the draw fire, you know, with me regularly.
1: So. I, I think her, their, her perspective is great. I see um, so many inexperienced uh, female shooters that, that especially now, you know, with today's climate uh there's so many new uh gun owners wanting to conceal carry on new women buying guns for the first time they seem to want all these safeties extra yes. safeties on the guns grip safeties thumb safeties trigger safeties mm. safety whatever holster That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh and i think it's just uh, from a lack of knowledge or experience with it they're worried that they're gonna shoot themselves or or something and I think it's great that Coach B has some experience, understands what she wants and what she needs, and realizes that the safeties can get in the way. Yes. Um your, your finger's not on the trigger, that gun's not going to fire. Mm-hmm. That's the most important safety, regardless of what gun it is. Um, and it, it's a great perspective, though. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: So um, the other thing I wanted to ask Coach B was, the importance of training classes. What is your take on why you should take training classes and how often, in your opinion, should you take a training class?
2: My thought is training class, you should take it as often as you can, but I feel that you should at least go to the range at least once a month just so you get that Live fire, you hear the firearm go off and you're, you're not scared of it. And to be honest, there's times when it's been a month or so that I've actually been to a competition or shot my firearm and we would go to the range and whenever the firearm would go off, I would dip, the firearm would dip um, just because of me pulling or, you know, kind of jerking the firearm. Um, and it's just from not dry fire and, and not, you know, being at the range and doing the competitions. Um, I do the competitions. So I have that experience every week. Well, that's how it was at one point. Um, So I have that every week of actually pulling the trigger and being comfortable with my shot placements. Um, So that's really why I'm doing competition.
0: I mean, I get that. I get that. Um, What is your take on um, the importance of um, getting training classes, Dave? Oh, um,
1: I I think they're great. And I, there's a couple of different approaches, I guess, if you're if you're just wanting to learn, you know, gun handling and firearm safety um, for the new gun owners, um, a training class is a great idea, great way to to be introduced, um, you know, to, to the proper gun handling, gun safety. Someone like yourself at M-W Tactical, um, you know, can knowledgeable person teaching you the the correct and responsible way to handle, uh, your firearm is, is on, you know, it's almost a requirement in, in my eyes, um, buying a gun, you know, doesn't mean you know how to use it now that you have one. Um, I think I said it before, but I kind of compared always like comparing it to, um, like, like a musician or or buying a guitar or something, Mm -hmm. an instrument. Just because you buy that guitar doesn't mean you know how to play it. doesn't make you a musician. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, a, so that's, a good one. that's a good one. It's, um, and, you know, from the general gun handling safety aspects of, of firearm, you know, handling, that's it's a great idea. But then there's also other trainers if you want to do competition-specific stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is your, your goal. You want to improve, um, you know, and move up the rankings in competition. There are guys that can cut down a lot of time um, and and help you improve, um, you know, a lot more quickly than you probably could by yourself. Right.
0: So my take on it is, I think training is very important. Just like you said, there are a ton of new shooters out here. And when I was younger, my dad used to always say, if you ever come to me with a problem, you should come to me with a solution for that problem also. And one thing I was taking notice every so many months, you would always hear, oh, now we got the highest record of background checks for 2020 over the past five years, right? Mm -hmm. So that was like, let's say April, May timeframe. Then it happened again in August, September timeframe. And then when you look at the November, um, December timeframe, it even went higher. So now we have all these new people out here with firearms What is really unsafe now in society? People got these firearms and they don't know what to do with them. They don't have the training. So my solution was, okay, I need help with this. So if everybody will donate to the GoFundMe, go to GoFundMe.com forward slash free firearms training and donate what you can. And this is a nationwide program. So let's just happen to say somebody from Michigan contacts me and say, hey, I want to, you know, see about this free firearm training. I will contact somebody in Michigan and there's a process we're going to go through to make sure this person is qualified, you know, to receive this free firearms training. And then the money out of that pot, we send it to that instructor to teach that person um, who they recommend or whoever contacted us about the free firearms training. So it's not just local for here in South Carolina. This is a nationwide thing because that number just didn't happen in South Carolina. It happened, <laughs> let's say, forty-nine states. <laughs> you know, so that's that's my take on it. So, um, but I do understand the importance of training because you know, just overlooking something can be detrimental to somebody else's livelihood. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, but just something to think about. Um, But training, training, training is something I always push. Even myself pre-COVID, I would still go get training with other instructors around the nation four or five times a year. I didn't do it this year because of the, the COVID situation and the ammo situation that's in place. So that's the one thing that's preventing me from doing the training at that level that I always like to do. And it keeps you relevant and on, on point with everything. Just like if you shoot with your friends all the, the time, you're going to get complacent and then over time you're going to start overlooking certain things. But that same time schedule, if you were to go to a different instructor, they might snap you out, hey, you're forgetting this, you're forgetting that. Like, oh man, I can't believe I overlooked that. You know, I've been doing it so long it's second nature now. <laughs> you know so yeah, i think
1: um, i worked with four different instructors last year yeah and it i mean it was kind of tough and now there's so many new gun owners and ammo is so scarce Mm -hmm. it's it's hard to plan a big uh class like like we're accustomed to seeing you know where you're where you're shooting several hundred rounds of ammo um at a Mm -hmm. class um i don't know class uh design may have to change for a uh, next couple years or so I, I don't know
0: yeah one See thing how- um i really enjoy doing was going up to a bill rogers shooting school and that is a costly class and you're shooting like 500 rounds a day for a week so <laughs> yeah so um by the time you get finished with that class every day you are mentally drained so i yeah, so like, and they do the reactive still. So you're shooting the still that pops up and then it falls down in like half a second. And they actually, in a roundabout way to tell you, they just teach you to relax your mind, focus on the front sight post and just slowly press the trigger. And then the next thing you know, you're hitting 12 rate um, um, plate racks as they're appearing. Like when the plates pop up, you're just knocking them all down, no problem. <laughs> like it's it's really fun but it sounds fun yeah but when you actually sit there and read about it and you look at video you'd be like oh man it's gonna be challenging and you put that unnecessary stress on yourself and they work you through it so it's like every day it just keeps ramping up and by the time you get to the end you'd be like oh man this ain't nothing <laughs> you know so but i i made a decision that i wanted to do that that class every year you know um moving forward but, like I said, this year, you know, because of COVID and the primer situation, ammo situation, it's just not going to happen this year. Yeah,
1: I, I think a lot of people are in that same situation going to have to figure it out yeah. somehow.
0: Yeah, so – um, but, like I said, we never know what's going to happen three months from now, but let's cross our fingers and pray for the best. Yep. so So, um, the next segment, we have an interview with their, the United States Army Marksmanship Unit, open three gunner, Sergeant First Class, Joel Turner, Joel Turner, not Joe Turner. And his perspective of shooting, it's pretty, pretty unique. You know what I'm saying? Like just seeing somebody shoot at that level and hearing their take on everything is, kind of one of those moments that open your eyes so i know i asked coach b this a uh, time or two before but um three gun yay or nay no <laughs> is it you're saying no because of the shotgun or no because it's three different um shooting platforms
2: i think just because there's three different shooting platforms um, wow. i just no.
0: i think you would have fun with the handgun of course and then the ar platform I believe you will have fun with those. I just think the shotgun will be something that you would slow yourself down and make sure you're doing everything properly.
2: Right.
0: You know, so are you familiar with a shotgun? Like shot one a few times and realize like, okay, I like it or I don't like it.
2: Um, I think the only one that I've ever shot is like a four ten. Okay. That's it. I
0: don't
2: know.
0: Hmm. All right, Dave, we got a a mission. (laughs)
2: <laughs>
0: i've got a i've got a shotgun
1: i, wa- I, I got, want it at a, a pistol match of all places
0: <laughs> man, i got a couple of them um, I, I still got a um some automatic shotgun
1: i don't know how to use it i mean i think i i can point it in the general direction of something and <laughs> i don't know i'm terrible with shotguns.
0: <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm not an expert on them either but um I am familiar with it enough to take a hinge off a door.
4: <laughs> well,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, I bet <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's um, let's go ahead and um, take a quick commercial break and then jump back into the interview with Sergeant First Class Joel Turner from the United States Army Marksmanship Unit. And let's hear his take on what he thinks about shooting and how he looks at shooting and why, you know, so... Please, everybody, stay in your seats, and here are a few words from our sponsors.
3: Hey, this is Brian Conley with Hunters HD Gold, and you are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast.
0: What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, Go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical.
2: The Gun Cleaners
4: Our solvent is... I think second to none, our lube is second to none. Your lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially with still carry.
2: The gun cleaners.
4: Oh yeah, most definitely. You know, you're gonna sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there.
2: The gun cleaners.
1: And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result is another, and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there.
2: Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com.
4: Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked-up prices that come with a brick-and-mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store or sent to a federally licensed middleman, called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina Concealed Weapons Permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina, or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon.
3: I'm Jason Pratt, Master Class USPSA shooter, owner of Brass Monkey Bullets. If you're interested in competition bullets, visit www.brassmonkeybulletsllc.com or call me at 423-967-1063. For more information, my email is brassmonkeybulletsllc at gmail.com. Thank you.
0: What's up, good people? This is Michael Woodland from M-W Tactical.
2: This is Coach B from M-W Tactical.
0: And we are asking for your help with two GoFundMe campaigns that we have started. The first one is, we are making a professional movie and it's gonna be about our day-to-day life within the sport of shooting. Details about this campaign can be found by visiting gofundme.com forward slash we are making a professional movie. The second campaign, we are asking for you to donate to give financial assistance for those who cannot financially get the training they deserve. Remember, there are a lot of first-time gun owners out there, and I am asking for everyone in the gun industry to come together and make our community stronger. For more details, visit GoFundMe.com forward slash free firearms training.
2: Remember how important training is to keep everyone informed and safe.
0: right good people we're back at it again and thank you for sitting through the commercial break for the m-w tactical podcast this week we are interviewing a member from the united states army marksmanship unit and of course you have to be on top of your game to be even remotely considered to be a part of this team these guys do put in the long hours of work but at the same time It shows through their performance. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Joe Turner from the United States Army Marksmanship Unit to the M-W Tactical Podcast. How's it going for you, Joe?
6: Hey, it's going good, man. I appreciate you uh, taking time to have me on your uh, podcast.
0: And like I said, I can also extend that same gratitude for you coming on to the podcast. So I enjoy talking guns as much as I can. So you got the time let's do it awesome that's it right there so can you tell the listening audience who is joel turner
6: <laughs> uh well how how far in the weeds do you want me to go, <laughs> hey, you can go
0: deep as you like
6: <laughs> <laughs> uh so uh, i'm originally from anderson south carolina uh then i spent a little bit of time in uh, belton where i graduated uh belton honey path for anybody that might know where that's at uh I joined the army in 2006. Uh, you know, I'm a product of, you know, essentially the twin towers going down and, you know, I wanted, uh, I wanted to make them pace. uh, so, you know, I wanted to do something cool and something that, you know, I thought was worthwhile and I wanted to join the army. And, uh, I talked to a cousin of mine and he got me, uh, convinced to go through what's called a rip contract, uh, basically become a ranger. Uh, and, uh, I went through basic, airborne through rip and then I was assigned at third uh third ranger battalion in 2006. I did uh my first four-year enlistment there uh I'd pretty much done everything I I wanted to do at the time and I wanted to uh, change a pace and I was going to get out and uh I had the opportunity to uh try out and come over and be a part of the United States Army Marshalship Ship Unit and uh Uh, Fortunately for me, the interview went well. I went over there in 2010, and I've been there since. uh, My first year and a half there, I essentially was part of standing up uh, what's now the instructor training group. I didn't single-handedly stand it up, but I was one of the first members there. Uh, Did that for about a year and a half, just training the force in uh, basic advanced rifle and pistol marksmanship. And then uh, I got another even better opportunity within the unit to come over and try out for the action shooting team, which I had zero experience. Uh, That's not commonplace uh, for our team. However, you know, just everything just happened to fall into place where it worked out. Uh, It took me a couple of years to kind of figure things out, picking everybody's brain from Daniel Horner, Shane Coley, Matt Sweeney at the time, all the great shooters that I grew up with. So
0: fast forward now, and I've
6: been on the team for about eight years
0: maybe nine now. <laughs> hey, well, like I said, those names you just mentioned, that is a plethora of knowledge right there. And not too many people can actually say they can dig from the greats or legends like that to seek for that free knowledge. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, another thing you had mentioned was you said that you were from Anderson, South Carolina, and you went to school in Belton. Now, Correct. in April... They're doing the South Carolina section, even though we know you don't shoot USPSA, but there is going to be a USPSA section match there in Belton, South Carolina, 30 April through 2 May.
6: Correct. Yeah, I actually uh, wasn't even – that's not normally a match that we go to uh, every year. Uh, Browning is actually the guy that's going to be shooting, and I just saw it on the board. I'm like, you know you're shooting in my hometown. And, like, back then (laughs) I had no clue that – about shooting sports in general, to be yeah. honest with you. I didn't, I mean, I grew up around guns. I love shooting. I spent the majority of my time in the woods if I wasn't at school. So, you mm-hmm. know, I, I grew up on shooting, but I never had a competition background. And I was kind of upset once I found out there was a pretty well-established gun club there.
0: Man, tell me about it. The same thing happened to me when I was in the military. I didn't find out about the um, marksmanship unit until I was an E6 about to make E7. <laughs> and I was like, man, oh, man. And so, of course, when I found out about it, I was trying to do the research and everything. And then it was like, you know, you can't be at an E7 and go there and shoot. You can work there. You just can't be at E7. I was like, man, okay, cool. I wish I would have known about that sooner.
6: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of hard because there's only so many E7 slots and they're usually, they're typically, a, you know, they're going to be a leadership role. Right. So. But but But, yeah, I mean, yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I I know that pain and struggle. So now whenever I talk to people, when it comes to shooting, always tell them, make sure you start your kids off young. And if you go to these matches, let your kids shoot the match. Don't put the pressure on them, but let them have fun with it. Somebody's always looking at them. And then it might be somebody from the military that says, hey, we got our eye on your child. Mm -hmm. Keep up that work and we'll reach out to you when it's time for them to get to high school or about to graduate or something
6: yeah i mean that, that that's very true i mean just to give you the most current status of the team is we got you know well i say we have uh but we're filling two slots currently we got one guy that's uh going through uh basic mm-hmm. currently and we have another guy that's essentially he's on his way to the recruiting office to to basically sign up to come join our team so we got two new people coming within the next year nice
0: that's always and one of them being
6: 17 you know uh he'll graduate this year and once he graduates he'll essentially go through basic
0: that's it right there so you can't argue that and then to by him coming just straight out of basic straight to the marksmanship unit he's not having no bad habits from what you pick up from in the military
6: <laughs> yeah yeah i will say uh just from talking to you know instructor group guys and then uh just being there myself, I, I've definitely seen a huge improvement uh, as far as the the need for marksmanship
0: training. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's always across the board. So um, only reason I say that is because I joined the military back in 94, and I've always been one that was into firearms, you know, and marksmanship. Sure. And... There was maybe two or three units, whereas they designated somebody to be in charge of marksmanship. And they really wasn't that qualified to teach it, you know, so they was teaching their own philosophy, which was messing up a lot of people. And, you know, as a private, you really can't say too much. You're like, oh, you know, when I was in basic Joe sergeant said this, why not do this?
6: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. Some people are kind of setting their ways. And, and the problem with that is usually they can't tell you why they're telling you that, other than that's what they were told. Yeah. That's all they know.
0: So, yeah. And I know mean, what you don't know. So, I see that on the civilian market a lot. Like, there's a lot of people out here who want to become instructors because they think it's easier because other people make it look easy. But there's a lot of time and sacrifice you have to put into that by you being an instructor just so you can stay relevant and making sure you're not telling people the wrong information. And it's it's a game of cat and mouse It's just going to keep chasing its own tail, you know, but you learn by failing. though. That's the only way you really learn. You learn by failing.
6: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So how did you actually get involved with three gun?
6: uh so you know like I had said before uh Horner actually pulled me off to the side uh and they were looking to fill a slot and and I honestly couldn't tell you why at the time but but, you know he said hey you want to you want to try out and I was like absolutely you know Mm -hmm. so you fast forward and I have no clue what I'm doing uh you know I always fancy myself as a pretty good shooter coming Into that unit, right? Right. Until you shoot with people who are actually like substantially better than you are, and then you're like, "Uh oh, humble check." Like, you know, maybe I'm not that good. Maybe I need to listen to these people and and pick their brain. And there for like the first two years, I think I was pretty annoying to them as far as like, you know, they're they were at a level where like they're sustaining and going out there shooting a little bit here, maybe a little more leading up to a bigger match. But like, I'm like. Wanting to shoot constantly all the time, that's the way Browning is. Unfortunately, he hasn't uh toned that down, he just he still has that like hardcore drive, and I commend him for that. But uh, I uh I started shooting uh TAC Ops because back then, like, that's pretty much the only division that I mean, it's still probably the most popular division in three gun. Uh, but somebody had the bright idea there, uh, probably six years ago that hey why are we shooting against ourselves because most of the times we'd end up one two three or four or something like that at a match when we can exploit our capabilities of shooting all divisions and maybe coming home with a win in every single division which makes the unit look even that much more applicable so right i i I transitioned over to limited shot that uh that's when i won my first national title in 2015 shooting limited division and then uh we weren't allowed to shoot open to division because that was an old school commander choice. And, uh, we had a new commander come in and said, why don't we shoot open? I'm like, Oh, I raised my hand. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I've been shooting that for, I don't even know now, like maybe three years and it's probably, I mean, it's just fun. I don't care what people say. Like, you know, tac ops obviously requires a little more finesse with quad loading. I've been down that road. I can quad load, but I shoot open because it is just the funnest division. You just go, all the way in, like you don't, you don't hold anything back, and you just, unfortunately, I say, you just full send, you know, because wow. <laughs> you got all the extra ammo to do to do so. so. Yeah.
0: So, my buddy, the co-host of this podcast, mm-hmm. he is big in the open, and he will not shoot nothing unless it has. He will shoot like a limited gun just for fun, but when it comes to competition. It has to have a red dot on it. So, you know, so he's he's all about that, you know. So like I said, now to hear hear you saying that, it's just like I'm having a conversation with him now when it comes to talking about the open division. You know, so that's that's pretty funny to me. (laughs) But um, to let you know, I've always told him, I'm scared of the open division. And not scared to shoot it, I'm just scared financially because i know (laughs) once you get into it man you'd be dumping that money into it and like i told him starting off with an open gun easily seven to ten thousand dollars depending on the brand that you go with
6: oh yeah 100 percent. and you're talking uspsa correct correct yeah i mean (laughs) and then you switch over to three gun and you got three guns that yeah i mean you don't necessarily need a, a, a super nice infinity open gun something of that nature i'm not trying to throw out name brands i'm just giving you everybody knows what good open guns are but like like i just shoot i shoot like just a standard sti like single port slide rod dot you know because i can get away with that in three gun but like the shotgun man like i think baseline the one i shoot it would cost the average person four thousand dollars with one magazine you know that's wow that's for one of the other guns you know (laughs) Yeah, it it's definitely could get expensive.
0: Yeah, trust me, I've done, the first time I did um a three gun match, it was when I was in the military there at the marksmanship unit and it was fun. The second time I did a three gun match, I had to pay for everything and I was like, mm, this is not gonna go well for me in my pockets. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So now what is your makeup? Cause you already said you're shooting the STI, and the ar platform what brand are you shooting or is it something custom that the marksmanship unit came up with yeah what- no,
6: no no so so well i'll just be upfront with you right now like the mm-hmm. cool thing about being in the army is we're sponsored by the army so right. like like it's not like a normal sponsored shooter where like i get in a product from x y or z company right mm-hmm. we we get to pick what we like so usually if we're using something it's because it's reliable or it's something we prefer so like every individual on the team might like shoot something completely different right if that makes any sense so like mm-hmm. and and when it comes to ars like most of our ars are just whatever regular standard forged upward lower receiver mm-hmm. and then like our custom firearm shop will hand turn like krieger barrels to whatever profile we want and so they're, they're built in-house, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. And uh, I, I couldn't tell you what every gun that everybody shoots, you know?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, trust me. I, I know how that can be because the selection process y'all have, it's that's like the Matrix in the sense of speaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so now, what has been your funnest match and what would you consider to be the worst match? Whereas you probably felt like you failed, but it was more of a learning experience.
6: Oh, okay. I thought you were trying to get me to say on a podcast what match I thought was like poorly run or something. Oh, I was no, like, I'm not going
0: to no, do that. No, no, no. <laughs> so you're
6: talking about what was my best match that I shot and right. then what was the worst match that I shot. Oh, that's uh, that's actually, let me think here. I will say, so I don't know if I'm going to necessarily directly answer your question, but like, I'd say my best match, not necessarily my best match, but my favorite match, uh, we, I, I got to shoot this past year, 2020 was the Memorial 3-Gun, and I'll tell you like multiple reasons why. Uh, okay. It's an exceptionally well-ran match, super professional. It's all ran by former, usually special operation type soldier, guys that are retired now or medically retired. And what they do, the, the foundation takes every single penny made during the match entry fees and all that stuff products sent in uh side shoots and it all goes to gold star families Uh, i got to be a part of that for the first time and actually shoot it this past year uh and it's 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 an awesome match and like if people aren't going to it they need to go to it because i mean if anything it's just good to support a good cause Uh, that would be like, that's, like, the one match from now on, like, we will always attend just because of, like – and at the end, at the award ceremony, you get all the Gold Star families that get up there and and, and talk about, you know, their loved ones that they lost, and it's it's pretty. It kind of reminds you, of, like, you know, like why you signed the dotted line. And then uh, my worst match, uh, I would have <laughs> – uh, I would have to say – it would have to be USPSA Multi Gun Nationals uh, in 2019. That would uh, be the year that I had the infamous uh, disqualification. Oh, <laughs> I did. Yeah, it wasn't anything cool. I didn't uh, yak one off into space and hit, shoot a bald eagle or anything <laughs> like that. But uh, you know, they, there was this weird option. Uh, there was it wasn't even our team. I, I, I'm sure a lot of people think that we came up with this crazy. We don't really game stuff too much, but. There was somebody on our in our squad that said, you know, hey, I read the rules and the rules say you can put your gun down. And without going into the weeds of why it made the most sense, it saved you from going all the way down ten yards and back to mm-hmm. dump a rifle. So we were able to put our gun down, even though the rule wasn't made for that. I put it down, but the rule was you can't get more than three feet away from it. So guess. <laughs> who was the only person that got three foot away from the rifle while shooting. the fish?
0: Oh man. I'm
6: raising my hand. You can't see it, but that's me. I did that. And, uh, yeah, I got disqualified from the match that I was pretty sure I was going to win. So oh. that, uh, that kind of burst my bubble. Cause I'd been getting second place for two years leading up to that and open, right. and you know, I was like you know, kind of tired of being the first loser. And, uh, that was, that was it. I was going to prove myself. And then uh, <laughs> it didn't happen. But unfortunately, I was blessed enough next year, I fought tooth and nail with Scott Green to barely squeak in first place. So.
0: <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. See, for me, um, I won't go back to the beginning because last year was the year I put a lot of emphasis on my shooting. So mm-hmm. last year, the best match that I felt I shot was Area 6 the most funnest match that I felt or the more fun match that I shot for the year was probably, um, area six again. And the match that I felt like I didn't do my full potential to, but I learned the most from after doing it was probably nationals.
6: Okay. And why was, why was that? Like, why'd you learn the most there? I'll ask the questions now. Okay, let's do
0: that. Let's do that. All right. So with Nationals, what actually ended up taking place, looking at the matchbook and noticing how far some targets were on a couple ranges, it played that trick on my mind versus trusting in my ability as far as taking a Mm 40-yard shot, you know, with the handgun. And what I actually ended up doing was changing the zero on my handgun But when I went out and did it, I rushed it instead of taking my time and ensuring that it was done properly. (laughs) So when I got down there to Nationals and I started shooting, I realized, hold on, my rounds are not striking where I'm looking at now. Even with the correction, I should have been a little bit higher on a closer target. But all my shots were low, way low. And I was like, what in the world? So between the stages, I'm adjusting – my sights trying to get my zero back somewhat close to familiar for me. And of course, you know, nationals is three days. Sure. The third day is when I actually got them somewhat remotely close where I felt comfortable to shoot.
6: And you ended up back at your original zero Uh,
0: close to it. It was close to it. Gotcha. But you gotta remember those three days you're shooting 21 um, stages, but yeah on the third day, I'm down to the last seven or six, whatever it was before I was like, okay, I can rock this up, you know? So I ended up coming in something 110th, 113th, maybe hundred fifteen, yeah. whatever it was, 100 and something. But I felt honestly in my heart, I would have been in the top 70 or 80, just performing the way I was preparing up to that match. You know, but like I said, you missing those targets and gotta guesstimate. I gotta hold it a little bit higher and hit the no shoots. I'm like, oh my goodness, man, this is horrible. <laughs> so <laughs> nationals, pain, yeah, man. yeah. National was that one match that opened my eyes up to trust your abilities and don't even worry about you know what took place. What I should have done instead of messing with my zero was. Go out there and practicing the longer shots with the zero I already had. And on just the front knowing round. your
6: hold for yes. the yep, because mm-hmm. it wasn't like every shot was long that range. Long. I'm assuming I didn't shoot it, but
0: mm-hmm. yeah. But um yep. John Brownie, he went out there and um he rocked that one. He barely pulled it off, as he stated. But I was like, "Man, you pull that off with no problem at all."
6: <laughs> <laughs> you know? I, I've seen him training, and, and and that is something like everybody's kind of got their thing, and I, I would give. Uh, Browning, I would give him like, he's a very accurate shooter. Very yes.
0: accurate shooter. Yes, I agree with that one 100%. And one thing I did say, and I didn't say this until after I shot a match with him. And yeah, what actually ended up taking place, we went to um, East Alabama Gun Club there in Alabama. Yep. And we actually squatted with him. Now, prior to this, I met him probably one time, you know, but it wasn't like an end up conversation. It was, Hey, how you doing? I see your shots and everything. Great shooter. Have a nice day reading on him, looking at video. I'm like, yo, this guy's good (laughs) actually shooting the match with him. I was like, yo, this guy's a beast. (laughs) I was like, no, everything everybody is putting out about him, they are not remotely touching the surface. This match at East Alabama Gun Club, he ended up winning it overall, but he beat out all the people that was PCC, and beat out all the open shooters also,
6: which is which is awesome. That is awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was like, yo, that yeah. dude is on a different level right now. <laughs> if you're yeah. doing something like that, and not to take credit away from anybody who shoots at East Alabama Gun Club, because there is phenomenal talent there. Absolutely, and. For him to do that, that was not an easy feat. That was not an easy feat, you know? So I was like, yo, this guy is a beast. And I said it that day, if I had the opportunity or if I can make it happen, I wanna practice with him a few times in a year, like maybe three or four times and just pick his brain and see how he does things and how everything equates for it.
6: Yeah, and, and there's so many people that won't do that, you know? yeah that won't like because that's i mean i'm always learning i'm always willing to learn but that's how i've gotten where i've gotten not on my own accord but from literally just saving training time by just asking people that were substantially better than me hey what do you do right here what do you do coming in this position oh you could come in with that foot oh well that makes sense i would have never figured that out on my own or it would have taken years yeah. and you just saved me <laughs> years of training with this dumb thing that like you spent five minutes showing me and now I'm like, I can practice that and I'm 10% better or something like that. That's, that's the thing that people, you know, they want to spend more money on ammunition, which obviously right now, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's kind of hard to do, but like yeah. just spend the money on the people that are, you know, or proven you can look at practice score that are better than you. And if they're willing to train you, then you might as well, you know, spend however much to just, Spend a you know just an hour with them, you know you can learn a lot in an hour. Yeah, trust me, I know. Trust me, I <laughs> really know that. So but John Browning, he's you ain't even got to like he don't even solicit it. Like you just go there and he will just help you. <laughs> like, <laughs> you would never know. <laughs> if you yeah. ask him, he would gladly show you. I'm sure. So. Yeah,
0: he's a very humble heart person. So that's one thing I do appreciate and I like about him is his desire to get everybody better than what they were. Oh yeah. So um in my personal view because as I told you earlier, I don't really follow three gun. I follow it but I'm not in depth with it. But over the past 2 years I want to give it, it seems like the sport is dying off in a sense of speaking. And the only reason I say that is there were a couple clubs in the area of South Carolina and North Carolina that were hosting a lot of three gun matches and they're Mm kind of like dying off a little bit. And like the club here in South Carolina, they host a three gun match, but it's not the three gun nation match that they were doing beforehand.
6: Correct. And, and and I, it's, it could get very political and I'm not Mm going to do that and I'm not your guy for that. However, I I know exactly what you're talking about. I've seen it. I mean, there used to be probably five to six big matches that everybody went to every single year, you know, on top of like, you know, three other like training matches, but they've kind of dwindled down and, and I've talked to a lot of people about this and, and we've all come to the same agreement that essentially there's no standard governing body. Now there's obviously you can look up different, uh, governing bodies but you you got west coast guys and you got east coast guys right really more you got more west coast guys but there's nobody governing all of it to kind of make a certain set rule set that it's easy to follow if that makes sense
0: yeah it does (laughs) it does Um, because everybody want to put their own view into it but they want to put that view into it which accommodates them for their level and the rules that fit their state or area Versus, you try to come out to the East Coast and do the same thing. We might have more options than they do out west, which can add to the sport. And the two minds are not actually talking to work out the solution. Yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, I, I get, I get that all day. Now. And know,
6: it is a lot cheaper to get one gun, like a pistol. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm a, just train on that.
0: I'm so. a big fan of that one myself. <laughs> Now, USPSA, they have a new division coming out, and it's with a handgun, and it's also with the PCC rifle. Yes. Have you thought of that, considered that, talked to anybody about that new division?
6: Uh, no, no, I mean, I have. I've actually uh, talked with Mike Foley very briefly. Uh, mm-hmm. And he, you know, I was actually curious. I'd heard rumors that multi-gun nationals wasn't going to happen for a bunch of different reasons. But right. uh you know, I guess wherever they're hosting it, you know, they pretty much they can do PCC and pistol. And I don't think it should take the place of three-gun. However, I do think it's a great division because there might be some club there where the furthest they can shoot is you know 25 yards, right? Or 50 yards, or because ballistically, you know, they can't shoot high-powered rifles there or whatever reason, you know, it, it gives you, yeah, you still get the, the rifle feel. You can put a little bit harder shots, you know, with a PCC and still have the handgun to kind of separate people. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's a terrible division. I mean, the sport's got to grow right. so it doesn't die. <laughs> and I guess it would be easier to, you know, buy one caliber as well. <laughs> yeah I was, of having
0: the- I was thinking about that same thing like okay you decide to shoot this division and of course if you reload you're reloading your nine millimeter for your handgun and pcc will yep. that same load work depending on if you're making your load to meet one twenty-five power factor as close as possible but would you use that same load in the pcc or would you go a different route you know, since that's, all you do. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
6: it depends on if they kept power factor with that because, you know, right. typically multi-gun rules, there's no power factor,
0: right. You know, right.
6: And, and, which I think that if they want to grow that, then I think that they shouldn't incorporate power factor into at least the PCC or if you want to call it, I guess it is technically multi-gun, it's two guns, right. you know, mm-hmm. because then you get guy that you get a guy that's got, you know, uh, uh, halfway decent Glock 34, and then he's got his PCC that runs runs Glock mags. Now he doesn't even have to buy extra mags; he can use the same mags
0: interchangeably and right. the
6: same ammo. So, I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's my opinion. When I when I read about that, that was one thing they took into consideration when they was looking at making this new division. And the other thing I want to say this is on my take on it. Back when I first got into shooting on a very serious note, there was a lot of two-gun matches happening in the North Carolina area. And yeah. it was basically a handgun and then an AR platform rifle. Yep. And I was wondering if this was something that somebody possibly shot and said, hey, this might be a great idea for handgun and PCC, or is it something that they said, okay, let's try to – snowball effect the shooting sport and let's put it under you um uspsa with the multi-gun rules so but i'm curious to know how they actually decided to come up with that platform of shooting
6: yeah i don't know i mean if, i think that if you're gonna stick with a two gun i think they should have a give people the option of a you know a 223 or something like that and a pistol because i mean I'll, i mean i i i mean i agree with the concept because unfortunately with three gun i love three gun and i'm gonna stick to three gun until it dies if it does but uh, it's substantially cheaper because it's really hard to justify buying a 1200 to upwards of a four thousand dollar shotgun just to do that when once you're done with that three gun match you can go hunt with your ar i'm not saying you can't hunt with your shotgun but most most states, you can't go out there with a 20 round magazine or a drum <laughs> right. and go hunting with your shotgun. You know what I'm saying? Right. At least for you know birds, but you know it's 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 something that the common person could jump in there with. You know, everybody, I mean, there's a lot of people in America with an AR and a pistol. So. Right.
0: So now we know three gun is your bread and butter. That's your go to. Yes. Out of the three. Firearms, and let's not even put a stage into play. What would be the one system between the handgun, AR, and the shotgun you prefer shooting in a three-gun competition?
6: Prefer shooting. I want to go with a pistol. Okay. Okay. Uh, and the main reason I prefer shooting pistol uh, is because if, especially if it's an optional stage. Uh, not necessarily always, but most of the time it's almost more beneficial to just shoot a pistol instead of a rifle for the sake of just being able to maneuver better, uh, type positions, uh, you know, as long as the shots aren't too hard. Mm -hmm. And the main thing is like, you know, I, our team and just training, you know, growing up, working with Dan and, and other guys on the team, like I've noticed that that is most people's downfall is pistols. So I like to exploit that. I mean, we, we probably, i this is a made-up percentage but i tell everybody this anyways it's like 80 to 85 percent of our training is pistol Mm -hmm. you know 10 of it is long-range rifle and the rest of it's just kind of make sure my shotgun runs you know i don't spend a lot of time on shotgun uh although it is fun Mm. i do enjoy the shotgun when you know (laughs) you're watching people you know drop shells and you know shoot four shots and after to load four shots and i just i can kind of get a little belligerent with it and throw a few extra misses here and there and yeah. still be okay
0: so <laughs> i, I would have honestly thought that you would have put more emphasis on the shotgun versus the ar but that's not no. the case yeah
6: so. uh, no no i mean uh close range rifle for me is whatever uh in my opinion that's a filler uh it matches but you know offhand that's something i I, so i let me correct myself i say offhand everybody on the team says offhand Mm -hmm. what that really means for us is just standing unsupported that doesn't mean shooting weak side for most people that call it that but uh you know standing unsupported like typical three-gun match would be like shooting a plate rack or shooting some you know 50 yard eight inch steel or something you know that's the, long as you know, if I've done my research right, and I know that that match is going to be, you know, have every other stage is going to have some offhand rifle or something like that. I'm going to put a lot of focus on that. Not so much on the close hoser paper. That's kind of you need to train on it. But like that's the stuff where people are going to miss a lot. Is right. you know standing unsupported, and then also long range. You know, with rifle. But mm-hmm. I don't. I think I went down my own rabbit hole.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. You're good. <laughs> because, because yeah, it did. It did. Um, because the one thing about it is like I said, honestly, I thought you would have said you would have put more emphasis on the shotgun because of the fact you, you do have the shotgun team there, and you can also go out there to their compound and I'm pretty sure, you know, the whole pool and shoot the disc in the air. The clay. That
6: is, that's a great question because uh, it's not very common anymore, unfortunately. Hmm. Uh, you know, like uh, matches like Rocky Mountain, like the old Rocky Mountain, you know, they used to you'd probably shoot 12 flyers in a a match, which for a shotgun shooter, that's not a lot, you know, but for a three gun, that's, that's, that's when times when we actually would exploit that, we'd go down to shotgun and, you know, back before I had a dot on my shotgun, it's a little different, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, shotgun, you know, it's complete opposite. And you're just, you want to aim stuff naturally, but like you end up finding that that's like a downfall and like you want to actually, you know, they teach you watch the, watch the clay and, and like your brain, it's, it's weird like you know they'll kind of you know say a few magic words but like you just watch the clay and you hit it it's it's that simple for the most part
0: <laughs> yeah yeah you so. Know? So,
6: but like we'd go down there and we'd shoot their international flyers which i forget like how fast they're going mm-hmm. i want to say like no, i not even want to say but 90 miles an hour could be completely off something like mm-hmm. that. they're really fast they're substantially faster than what would see at the match so when we go there and we're busting those we're like we're good now everything (laughs) else is slow motion but yeah we we absolutely would do that if Mm. the match coming up was going to have that you know like i said we don't just go at every match we go to we don't just train the same way we you know, at least for me personally, like I was, oh, yeah, I remember that match, you know, there was a lot of offhand rifle or there was a lot of clay, so I'm going to go down to shotgun and spend a couple of days down there and kind of get tuned up because that's 10 seconds per clay I missed or whatever. It's important, you know. It right. just depends on the match.
0: Yeah, I got you on that one.
6: I got you on that one.
0: So um what's next for Joel Turner?
6: What's next for me? Uh Texas tune-up. And it's good they call it. It's the, like into february so it's it's my first match uh for at least for the three gun guys
0: mm-hmm.
6: uh and it's just a good match it's got a little bit of everything some fast-paced base stages uh some longer range uh some natural terrain-esque stages you know uh last year we shot out of a moving utv so that was i mean fun. <laughs> they got a little bit of everything so you just go there and you kind of, it's a fun match but it's also it, it's got all the flavors uh we go there just to kind of might identify something that I'm weak at. I'm like, oh, well, I need to work on this before the next month and I go to the next match or whatever. But, yeah, Texas tune-up. Uh, it, it, I think this will be the second year of it, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a really fun match.
0: Now, how many matches a year do you try to shoot, or does the unit say, okay, we want you to go to this match on top of whatever else you want to do?
6: I'm assuming this is a pre-COVID question.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, pre-COVID, yeah. <laughs> let's not talk so, COVID.
6: <laughs> so, typically, uh, on a good year, we'll, each discipline, and I'm talking about like 3GUN, USPSA, or PRS is the divisions our team covers. Mm-hmm. Like typically eight to ten matches. That's a pretty good year. And the only reason we don't do more usually we do like one a month, like one good match a month, and then like we'll run uh, all Army small arms championship and our Fort Benning multi gun, which is once a year. Which is kind of mm-hmm. how we give back to the community. But that's I mean our usually <laughs> our our year is slap full of shooting or training or running matches.
0: <laughs> hey, that's it. Yeah, I know it, it can be busy for you, but at the same time. Um, the knowledge that you bring to the table from actually putting forth it during competition and sharing it with the community and other people who are interested in coming into the sport. That's priceless right there. Yeah. I appreciate that. Oh yeah. Yeah. So um, if the good people who are listening want to actually look at your videos, follow you on social media, or just contact you and, ask questions or just want to talk to you how can they do that
6: uh yeah so i i've actually uh there for a while i took a break from social media and was just kind of focusing on on meeting the family and stuff but Uh uh, i actually just got back on to social media still trying to minimize it but uh, you can hit me up on uh, instagram or facebook uh facebook would just be joel turner jr uh it's a picture of me and my family and then my Instagram page uh, it's, it should just be Joel Turner Jr. as well most people know they're handled but
0: mm-hmm. Don't
6: <laughs> trust me. I mean, give me one second I'll tell you just to make sure I'm not telling you yeah, yeah. just type in Joel Turner Jr. it's Joel underscore Turner underscore Jr. for Instagram so if
0: go. anybody
6: actually cares to hit me up
0: <laughs> uh, somebody will hit you up you never know you never yeah. know <laughs> All right. So, like I said, I do appreciate you coming on to the M-W Tactical Podcast. And before we depart, are there any last words you want to share with the listening audience?
6: Uh, Hang in there. Uh, This too shall pass. Uh, You know, I don't get too wrapped around all the drama that's happened the past year. Uh, You know, we'll get past it, as we always do. Uh, Keep training. Uh, And to use your platform, uh, if you don't have a relationship with God, I would highly recommend uh, if you know somebody that does, maybe just ask a question and maybe that'll light a fire. And, you know, that's that's in my opinion, that's the only thing that really matters.
0: So, that's it. Yep, yeah, that's it right yeah, there.
6: I appreciate you having me and uh, hope everybody out there has a good night oh, yeah, you as well.
0: Oh, yeah. So thank you for coming on to the show. And for everybody else, please stay in your seats and hear a few words from our sponsors.
4: Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesman, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store or sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina Concealed Weapons Permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAETransfers, Thank you for your business, and I look forward to seeing you soon.
3: Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've ever tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself.
4: Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially with still carry.
2: The gun cleaners.
4: Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there.
2: The gun cleaners.
4: And maintaining the
1: quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another and you guys are able to do both with the processes you have there
2: order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com
0: thank you for taking the time to hang out with us on the m-w technical podcast remember the new podcast comes out every tuesday if you can't wait for tuesday go listen to past episodes to catch up on what you missed make sure you visit www.m-wtactical.com and see what all is offered on the site where you can even purchase M-W Tactical Apparel but please go to our Facebook and Instagram page and follow us on our journey in the sport of competition shooting and the realm of the two-way community until next week keep shooting keep practicing and have fun